Welcome to Sound Tradition, where we examine the theology, practices, and traditions of the contemporary church. We are testing out a new audio system. We're actually using the church's audio system uh, because we think it'll get us a clear recording, and hopefully it'll make some improvements, make these podcasts a little bit better quality and more enjoyable for you guys as listening. I also have decided to cut out the ad at the beginning. I've noticed that there have been one, there's quality issues with it because I recorded it very early on, <laughs> and uh, and there's volume issues with it. So I figure we'll just we'll scrap it. We're not making enough money off of the podcast to make it worthwhile. I think we've made what twenty dollars in the time that we've been doing the podcast. Maybe man, I'm gonna to, re- I'm gonna retire. Yeah, <laughs> so it doesn't even pay for the website, you know. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, but yeah, so we're we're gonna be dealing with a topic today that is modern, a modern day event. The overturning of Roe versus Wade. For the most part, I'm going to let Luke kind of jump in and take the steering wheel for this one, and then I'll just jump in with some thoughts and concepts that I want to develop as we work our way through. <clears throat> Luke, you want to take it away? Yeah, we got to start with a, a joke. And Jason, you already heard this one, but pretend like you didn't. <laughs> what happened to all the Philistine gods, Jason? <laughs> Dagon. <laughs> <laughs> Dagon. You got to say it right. Yeah, Dagon. <laughs> They were aborted. Uh, no. <laughs> no. No, that's a, <clears throat> that is our topic we're going to talk about. Is Probably you've noticed in the news, I would imagine, the reversal of Roe versus Wade. Was it a month ago now? Something like that. And I was thinking about it. I said, you know, what? what is the Christian perspective? How, you know, we, we, we know what the Bible says. And for the most part, I think Christians are pretty well lockstep on one side of the issue, we're pro-life. But I think there's a lot of misunderstanding that goes on between the two sides. Maybe misunderstanding of terms and uh, and what we mean when we say, we say no abortion, what they, what I say they, people on the other side of the argument, mm-hmm. pro-choice, what they think we mean when we say abortion or what we think they mean. I think I did a little bit of research on this and I want to just try to clear up, you know, make this Make a statement of what I believe. Jason can say what he believes if he disagrees with me. <laughs> but I think we're pretty much on the same page on this one. Right. And, I, and I think when it comes to this issue, a lot of people on the left are probably are probably going to be the ones who need to hear something on, on the podcast that we're talking about today. But there is a spectrum of the radical left where it's a, they they want abortion no matter what the circumstances, even if the there are some women who are fine with perfectly delivering a baby and letting it die out on the operating table right next to them. They're, they're perfectly mm-hmm. fine with a woman's right to choose to let her baby <clears throat> die, even at that moment. Uh, the uh, governor of Virginia, what was it, Governor Northern, I think was his name, um, he supported that. He advocated for that, you know, so it's not so far-fetched to think that there is this extreme on the other side as right. well. But what Luke, <clears> I think, <throat> is concerned about is that there are people that are somewhere in the middle who are misunderstanding some things about what we yeah. believe and what we're saying when we say that we are pro-life. Yeah, and this is a <clears throat> this is an issue that's going to be, people are going to be voting on it in states. You may be discussing this with coworkers, or <clears throat> but as, as we're having these conversations, I'm hoping this might give you a little ammunition, maybe learn something you didn't know before. I learned some things in in studying for this, prepping for this podcast. But we need to be able to be gracious as Christians, but also know the truth 
so that we can maybe inform people. And to some degree, it's hard to have a discussion because right. once you say the word, oh, you're pro-life, it's like you, you jump to the, oh, you're pro-life. You hate, you want women to die or or the or the opposite. You're yeah. pro-choice. You want babies to die. And then mm-hmm. there's, there's conversation over, we hate each other. And mm-hmm. I think that's a problem that even Christians can get sucked into. And obviously we hate that babies are dying. But if... We're going to have, you know, obviously the the answer is for people, if everybody got saved, everybody's heart was right, that would solve the problem. But when you're dealing with your neighbors, people were trying to be a good testimony to, it, I don't think it helps for us to just shout at them, baby killer, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so maybe having a little bit of a better understanding of the entire topic. Now let me just say what this is not, what we're not going to accomplish in this podcast. I'm not going to try to give a comprehensive history of the legal battles I'll give you my limited knowledge on it. You can go study that if you really want to know more about everything that led up to and after Roe versus Wade. And this is not an attempt to destroy pro-choicers. You know, <laughs> I don't know if you're if you watch uh, YouTube videos or podcasts, but a lot of times that's the title: "So and So Destroys So and So." You know, we're not. This isn't. We're not trying to uh, destroy anybody. Yeah, really, we're just trying to give a reasoned and a biblical answer for why we but believe what we believe and try to explain that in a way that it can be understood by people who may not already agree with us on on this position. Right. <clears throat> and so what this is is an attempt to get past the talking points, the things that are on the signs, everybody holds up the sign, you know, <laughs> those, those are the talking points. Get past that, get to the real heart of the issue. And uh, yeah, just lay out a logical, balanced, what is a good pro-life position. So obviously we need to start with the biblical foundation, and you know, I'm, I didn't pull up a million Bible verses because honestly, you're not going to find a zillion Bible verses about "Thou shalt not kill a baby in the third trimester." Or, you know, mm. there's not a lot that kind of detail. Yeah, but in, to some degree, you don't really need to to apply the principles. And I, I think everybody's mind should go straight to the Ten Commandments: "Thou shalt not kill," and that really becomes the crux of the matter. One of the big arguments is this a baby or not? But just I'm just going to read the Ten Commandments here real quick. Exodus chapter twenty, and I didn't. It's not all the verses. It's verses three down through seventeen. I just cut through. He summarized the, main, it summarized the yeah. commandments. There's some of them embellished more, but I just cut them down a little bit. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor thy father and thy mother. And then, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor, and thou shalt not covet. Now this is, obviously, some people always point to, oh, these Old Testament commands, they're not for today. There's all kinds of weird stuff in there. Without going into that topic and that debate, these Ten Commandments really lay out, they're kind of an overview of the entire law. Because they they focus on our relationship to God, all the, there's a whole and and the rest of it, all 613 laws of the Old Testament. They flush out all of these Ten Commandments in further detail. So the first five or so are like our relationship to God, and then the rest are our relationship to each other. You're not allowed to kill other people. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You're not allowed to steal their stuff. Mm-hmm. Not allowed to uh, take their spouses. You're not supposed to covet their stuff. You know, it's just, these are just basic laws of life. You're not allowed to kill people. So that's really not 
that hard of a thing to defend from the Bible. And I think most people that don't even believe in God or believe in the Bible would agree. You're not allowed to just go around killing people. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that's, uh, yeah, and so that was, that was God's law in the, uh, 10 commandments, but he expands on that a little bit later on in Exodus chapter 21 verses 22, uh, and 23. We've kind we've kind of done a podcast on this before dealing with some of the controversial passages de- with this topic. But it says, if men strive and hurt a woman with child, so that her fruit depart from her, and yet no mischief follow, he shall be surely punished according as the woman's husband will lay upon him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. And if any mischief follow, then thou shalt give life for life. And the passage was, which like I said, we've commented on it, what the meaning and all that. You can go back and you can look, look that up on, on our previous podcasts. But the basic idea is that if two guys are fighting and they accidentally hit a pregnant woman and if she does not miscarry then he's punished but it's a different punishment but if he causes her to miscarry because of his actions then he is to give a life for a life and so even in the levitical law there Mm -hmm. were protections against the unborn children and and not murdering Mm -hmm. them you know basically and that's been basically part of english common law forever even Mm -hmm. even in america today what tends to happen, it seems to be the rule is if the baby's wanted or not. So if, so if the woman wants the baby and somebody accidentally murders the mother, so, well, this was a wanted child, so therefore it, it's a murder. But if mm-hmm. a person doesn't want the baby, then, well, it's not really a baby. It's, a, it's just a fetus and uh, no, no, no harm, no foul, right. which is not a very good metric for when, you know, when is something alive or not. It's not because yeah. it's wanted. That's yeah, not and, the... <laughs> and in the next verse after this, it says, a li- I mean, it said a life for a life, even in that verse. And, and the idea here is the Bible assumes, the law assumes that that child is a life. And so mm-hmm. really at the root of the whole discussion on pro-life, pro-choice, all that kind of stuff is when does life begin? That's the answer we have to ask ourselves. And now I, I wrote up some notes added to what Luke already had on this because I thought it was an important thing to discuss. And really, when you look at Jewish teaching on when does life begin, it's kind of interesting that a lot of Jews actually believe that babies are not alive until they take that very first breath. And they go back to the story of like Adam and Eve when Adam was formed in the garden, God breathed into him the breath of life. So life is tied to breathing. So life is tied <laughs> to breathing, and you don't actually, in their opinion, do that until you come out of the womb and have independent breathing. I would say medically you could probably argue that that's not the case, though, because a child still has lungs that are going to be operating um, through the respiratory system of the mother. Right. In ways, you <clears> know. Get, it gets the oxygen yeah. through the placenta and all yeah. that. And so you could you <clears> can make further arguments from that, but I do think that this is a misguided interpretation of the scriptures. They're, they're trying to latch onto something that they really wanted to believe anyways. Right. Um, but I think there, there are plenty of passages that teach that a child is alive from the point of conception. They may not directly right. come out and state it, but the implications are there. In fact, just the whole miscarriage thing in a, a chapter, Exodus, a life for a life, it does not state how old that baby has to be when the miscarriage is caused. You know, it just says right. it just says that if it is caused, he is to pay a life for a life. So the assumption is any time afterwards, if the miscarriage is caused by their actions, then he is guilty. He has killed a life and he has to give a life for a life. 
on some other passages, Psalm 51 and verse number five says, behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Now, if you're not used to old English, you'll probably, and the, the wording that we have <laughs> in our King James version, you'll probably think, well, this means that David was conceived because of sin. His mom was fornicating or something like that, you know, but that's, that's not the meaning of this passage in Psalm 51. <clears throat> David is confessing his sin with Bathsheba. So it's a whole psalm about sin and, and confessing sin. And he's saying that I am so guilty of sin that even when my mother conceived me, I was a sinner. Now, you don't hold somebody guilty for sin that isn't truly alive and responsible for, in, for, for the sin that they, that they have in their lives. Now, we believe theologically that Adam and Eve in the garden, they committed sin and that original sin was passed down through Adam to all of us. This is the teaching of Romans, that sin entered into the world and so there, and death reigned because of that sin. And therefore, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know, because of Adam, we are all sinners from the point of conception. And so that, that's one piece of evidence. Mm -hmm. Another one that you have is the whole fact that Jeremiah was called by God in his mother's womb. This indicates personhood. You don't call a thing to do something. You call a person, and God knew him in his mother's womb, and he called him, and he, or any special, he specifically laid out this ministry that he had for him while he was still in his mother's womb. And then another verse, just think of Luke 1, verse 41, where Mary has come. She's pregnant with the baby Jesus, and she comes to see her cousin Elizabeth, who is also pregnant with John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, inside his mother's womb, leaps with joy. And just the expression of emotion there and, the and recognition that he is in the presence of the Messiah indicates personality and life. Those two things go together, personality and life. <clears throat> and so just th those kind of give us a, a glimpse into the fact that babies are alive even within the womb. And the passage that in Psalms 51 traces it all the way back to the point of conception. It's not something that happens in the second trimester or the third trimester or when they're born and take their first breath or yeah. when the mother <clears throat> decides they're alive and they want the child, you know, as the case yeah. of the, the governor of Virginia. <laughs> so. Yeah, I thought it was interesting what you said about the uh, the Jewish teaching because mm -hmm. I'd, I'd never heard that. Yeah. But the only scientific metric we have for when life begins is conception. It's the only one that makes any sense. You, you can't say, you know, people try to say other things. It's when consciousness happens. How do you measure that? Yeah, how do you measure that? How do you, <laughs> does that mean if I, if I go into a coma that you can kill me, you know, <laughs> because I don't have consciousness anymore? Or if I go to sleep, you know, there, I don't want to go into all, I didn't want to spend too much time on that particular yeah. argument, but yeah, it's, the whole, it's pretty good. The whole point of the podcast is yeah. not to give a definitive argument for life before uh, birth and things like that. But this is a very, I mean, the Bible, the few places it speaks, it seems to be very clear when before the baby's born in the mother's womb, after conception, it is a person. It yes. is a human that has a right to life. And that's really, that, that's that's the whole argument that, you know, so if you want to put that argument aside, is it a life or not? Let's let's get to some of the other things that people talk about, some of the uh, misunderstandings. Uh, although I will say this briefly, I'm Jesus expanded on 
the Old Testament law, thou shalt not kill in Matthew chapter five to thou shalt not hate really. Cause if you, I, it's not, it's, it's not a, the 11th commandment, thou shalt not hate. <laughs> That's just the way I put it in there. But, yep. but murder comes from hate in your heart. And the, <clears throat> the teaching there is if we hate people, it's like we've murdered. So, Hey, Christians, if you hate pro choicers because they're killing babies, you've got a problem. <laughs> you know, you, you've got a, yep. a hate problem. Yeah, and I think there's a difference between hate and righteous indignation. Yes. That's that's definitely something we need to make clear here. Right. Because I I can be extremely angry at the fact that babies are being killed. Um, when I hear of children being mm. molested and abused, that makes me angry. And I think that is a righteous anger. And Yep, I um, agree. It, there, there is no condemnation for that. But the whole idea of this this hate that sets in my heart to where now I hate those people, that's that's not how we're to interact with with the lost. Yeah, so. and it's not everybody, but there there have been extreme cases of pro life people, you know, bombing abortion centers. It's like you know, no, don't go that, don't go down that road. That's not going to solve the problem. Definitely not. So, but putting that aside, rolling forward now, what about some of these misconceptions, misunderstandings? I don't think people on either side of the argument mean the same thing when they talk about abortions. I think the conservative perspective, I understand it. We basically mean an abortion is when a healthy mother kills a healthy baby that wouldn't die on its own. And my wife and I, we've had discussions about this too, because I've always held to one exception for the case of abortion. And my wife agrees with me on that exception, but she would not call it an abortion. Right. So we've had we've had <laughs> debates on this, and because in my mind, and I guess maybe I, I just was raised liberal. I guess I don't know. So, but in my mind, when when I use the term abortion, I think of ending a pregnancy for any reason. You're taking the life of that that baby. So that, right. That, and I think that's where most people are. But then when you see talk that, to I would see I wouldn't mean it. I wouldn't think of it that way. Right. And when you talk to most pro-lifers, and Luke included. They're not going to pro-lifer. define it that way, and my wife doesn't <laughs> define it that way. So you you have to understand and clarify these terms when you have this discussion. Right. So one of the things that uh, I wanted to talk about a little bit was pregnancy complications, because this is what Jason, I think, is talking about. Mm. The things, there are a lot of things that can happen to cause complications that, in you know, before modern medicine... You know, before Roe versus Wade in 1950, uh, there were these problems. And the further back you go in history, the higher percentage of women could have died because they didn't have any help. And some of these things are no longer mortality issues. Right. We, with the advance of modern medicine, that that percentage has dropped uh, dramatically. But we're going to go through a few of the. These are all things that can happen that endanger usually endanger or kills the baby and can endanger the life of the mother. And I don't know of any pro-lifers. I think there's, I can't think of any that would say when they say no abortions, they don't mean, well, mother's just got to die in pregnancy. If some of these complications arises, we're not talking about that. We're saying a healthy mother and a healthy baby. And the mother just says, I don't want it for whatever reason. That's right. really what we're talking about. Right. And there, there are plenty of articles. My wife showed me some articles by, doctors who will say that when when these situations arise one the procedure is different and two they don't call it an abortion they that's not that's not what they're dealing with at that time so when when you might hear somebody who's pro-choice say 
my body, my choice. Like, well, what do you mean by that? If you mean you and your husband and your doctor say, because of this complication, we're going to prioritize the mother's life. You know, we, we're going to try and save the baby, but we're going to say, you know, we're, we're not going to do the thing we know will kill the mother. Right. Then, yeah, of course, we're not, we, we agree with that. That's not a problem. Well, but without continuing the argument, let's look at what some of these uh, complications are. Let me pull over to... So the first one he had on his list was ectopic pregnancy. Well, I'm going to save that for later because they're okay. in a different section. Yep. So there are some women that struggle with high blood pressure and eclampsia, or they call it preeclampsia. Which they, my mother had eclampsia right. when, when I was born and well, almost died from it. And one of the uh, people don't really understand exactly why it happens. Some some women who you think would would have the high blood pressure don't, or someone have it during pregnancy and everything's fine, and then some women don't have it before the pregnancy, and then during the delivery, they get it, and so it's really not understood exactly what's going on. Right, and and so this this one actually is kind of a personal one for me because the doctors actually did want to abort me when I was a baby because of this issue with my mother. She had that that eclampsia and then blood blood poisoning and all that. And, mm-hmm. And she was out of it, so my mother didn't have a say. They went to my dad, and he, he fought for my life. And so I was born. I was born, was it, eight weeks early, four pounds, eight ounces, I think it is. Um, so I was pretty small and had to be taken care of and, and uh, could have lost both of us, could have lost either one of us, but both of us lived through this. Right. And one of the big things that's going on here is, you know, the blood pressure. Your the mother's life is tied to that baby's life through... The umbilical cord to the placenta, and if the mother's blood pressure, she's pumping blood into that baby. So if that blood pressure gets too high, or if they start bleeding, uh, where they're not supposed to bleed, there's a lot. It, it's 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 a complicated thing. So another thing is infection. If the mother's bleeding and she gets infected, this is probably was a big one in years past where they weren't delivering babies in clean environments and even in hospitals doctor before they really understood germ theory there was doctors going over they would do surgery on one man and they didn't wash up and they went straight over and delivered a baby and the mother got infected because they didn't understand he was transferring germs from the one one man over here to this woman and she got infected and that's not as big a one anymore but they can women can still get infected um I'll skip down here. Oh, where'd my parts go? Go to the ectopic pregnancy. Yeah, I lost my spot in my... Losing the spot here, yep. So so tell us what an ectopic pregnancy is, Luke. So He's had experience having one of these. No, I'm just teasing. (laughs) (laughs) So an ectopic pregnancy is one where it, it happens very early in the first couple weeks of right, right after... The sperm and the egg meet. This happens not in the womb itself. This is further up in the ovaries. I didn't. I I forgot I knew this. I think I knew this before, but I forgot about it. But the sperm literally travels all the way up to where the egg is in the ovaries, and that's where conception happens. And then when that, that's when the life begins. It's now alive. Then it travels down the tube and attaches to the wall on the side of the in womb the somewhere uterus. in the in yeah. the uterus. But this problem starts because it, it doesn't, doesn't attach it in does, the uterus. It doesn't come out. It gets stuck. In the tube. So it's stuck way up there in the tube, and nobody even knows it's there. Your mother's, you know, you don't know for sure. 
some women say I could tell that I, I, the next day I, I think I'm pregnant. Well, maybe <laughs> I'm not a woman. I, I'm not going to dispute it. But you know, the way they know something's wrong is because it starts growing in the and there's not enough space there. Mm-hmm. And as it starts growing, it literally is breaking the woman from the inside. She starts bleeding internally, and babies they've never figured out how to solve this problem. Right, and it is something that well, it's to, rare to prevent it. Yeah, they yeah. haven't figured out how to prevent it. It is rare, but it is something that is life-threatening. It is, yes. it is a serious issue. Um, but it is also, it's treatable by medical professionals, you know. So right, and there's things you could try. And this comes back to the baby being wanted. If you, people, a husband and wife, are like, we want this baby, they're going to fight for the life, that, and the mother is willing to put her life at risk for this baby. But a lot of times, the doctors end up saying, you know, we'd, we we're going to try, but the baby's probably going to die. I don't call that an abortion because it's not I'm choosing to kill the baby. It's something went wrong naturally. There's an, uh, there's another kind, uh, and I've, I've lost my list here. I wish I could remember the name of it. But this is where the placenta forms in the wrong place, and it's actually covering the partially or completely covering the opening where the baby comes out. And this is one that can cause, if you, if you don't realize it, I, I would imagine nowadays they, they, they can see this with the, uh, so, not sonograms, what's the uh, Ultrasound. Ultrasound. <laughs> so my wife walked in and we asked her what this was called. She called it placenta previa. So there she, we go. she should know these <laughs> terms. So, <laughs> But once again, potentially life threatening for the baby if they can't get it moved out of the way if, if you didn't know ahead of time and the baby's coming so this might be why you do a c-section or there's, and there's there's more things that happen that cause these complications sometimes a woman is very you know for whatever reason her her body's not formed right and they just have more complications than others sometimes there's ruptures there uh Obviously, the whole area is stretching quite a lot to allow this baby out. And some women, they just tear apart, and they're bleeding. And now you can't tell what's just the blood that's from the womb and what is blood coming from the mother. And some women, they they don't have they're so stretched already from having this baby. I, I say stretched like their blood supply, and they they lose it. They're losing a quart of blood and don't even realize it. There's just there's so many things that can happen, and I think. We need to understand that yes, this is a need. If you're if you're a pro life person, you need to understand. If you've never heard any of this stuff, you need to understand there are things that can happen it's where, where the life where, of the child where is. the life of the child is in da- and the life of the mother is in danger. Mm-hmm. And you need to recognize that that is something. If you have, if you're not giving ground on that, you need to give women need to have the choice to say you know I I want my baby to survive, but. I want to survive too, and if there's going to be a prioritizing of who survives, I don't think it's wrong for a woman, a husband, and wife to say, you know, we, I want my wife. I'm going to say this: I want my yeah. wife <laughs> to survive, and we're going to try to save the baby mm-hmm. if we can, but we're not going to, you know, we. This, I think this is where people on the other side of the argument they hear from us, we want the woman to just die and the baby to live. No. That's why they're making that assumption, but that's not the case. That's not what we're trying yeah. to say. Yeah. So we do need to recognize that and make and make room for those those thoughts. Yeah, and in most of these cases, like the ectopic pregnancy, 
that child would have would have died anyways. There's there is right. It's not going to be feasible to deliver it properly as as it is. You know. So, uh, there's somebody that we know. Well, at least Jason and I were graduating, and they were coming in the next year. We know. But we know. But yeah, <laughs> Billy and Jamie Dillon. Uh, and Jamie Dillon died. I forget how long ago was she died, but within recently, the la- I think pretty recently within the last year, mm-hmm. she had pulmonary hypertension, which is a it's a pre-existing condition. It's not a, something brought on by pregnancy, but it was a problem in her heart. So basically, the valves in the right side of her heart were too small, and her heart couldn't pump enough blood through. So it just it increased the pressure of her of her uh, her blood pressure. And it caused also shortness of breath for her. And she was not a very large woman. The doctors just told her right off the bat, you should probably not try to have children because you won't survive. Well, she she never did. She didn't die because of pregnancy. They never did mm-hmm. try to have children. But uh, she died from the heart condition. So we understand there's there are health needs that women have. And yes, they deserve to, to get help. You know, there's... I think there's a lot of argument from the left saying we we want to take away all the aid for poor people or yeah or minorities. No, kinda, that's, that's not what we're talking we'll about. We'll develop that a little bit more in a second as well. But but that yeah. just kind of lays a foundation for okay, this this is not what pro-lifers are saying. You know, they're not they're not wanting women to die. Um, yeah, that's one of the things that I've got this list of things I've heard pro-choicers say. I think this will help us to continue to talk about this. Uh, they conflate, we kind of already laid this out, but they conflate this entire list, all these things, all these complications. When they say abortion, that's what they're talking about. And I think that is a major sticking point in misunderstanding between the two sides. Right. And again, it's kind of a bait and switch type of scenario to where like most most moderate Democrats and, and liberals are going to be thinking, we need to provide abortions for people who could die from from giving birth. Okay. And so that that's what's in their mind. But what they end up delivering is a blanket policy that says you can abort any right. baby you want whenever you want to. And and so it's kind of you're changing the terminology and in order to get more than what you should be mm-hmm. should be allowed to legally do. And what <clears throat> we have to be careful not to put say, OK, you're a pro choicer. You're, you're believing pro choice. That means. You believe the same thing every other pro-choicer believes. It's hard to know where they fall. In this I think a lot of young women, they believe a lot of lies, propaganda mm-hmm. that are told. They are told this is what pro-life people want. They want you to die. They want to take away your You're right rights. to health care, yep. and I, and they believe it. And so they run into somebody like me, and they're like, "Oh, you're one of those evil Republican uh, pro-life." You know, we, we got to cut through all this. We've yep. we've got to understand. What we're, what we're trying to do. The next statement is an interesting one. <laughs> yes. Men can't have babies, so they just need to shut up and be quiet. Okay, we can't have an opinion. Well, so to be honest, let's... We're stopping the podcast here. right here yeah. because we just got to shut yeah, up. Yeah, we're just going to stop. But let's let's just put this out here right now, okay? It takes two to have a baby. I'm sorry, ladies, if you don't understand <laughs> that, go back to biology, okay? Yes, yes, we're not carrying that baby, but we are, we produced it. It is part of us, and we are responsible for it from the moment of conception through the rest of its life because it is our child. So yeah. <laughs> it's, and you not, don't, it's not something yeah. we have no right to talk about. 
you don't have to be able to experience something to be able to discuss something logically. Now, yes, is there going to be facts you don't know that you need to say, okay, I'm going to defer yeah, Obviously, we're to not women, experts you know? <laughs> on any of this stuff right here. So. <laughs> we're, you know, I will defer to my, you know, I'm not going to say, I know exactly how a woman feels when the baby's coming up because I've, I've seen it happen. No, I don't, <laughs> you know, there, obviously there's things we're not going to know. Right. But and we, to be honest. We can't be cut out of the conversation. Yeah. And to be honest, most men are pushing the girls to have these abortions because mm-hmm. they don't want the responsibility. So those are the voices that you really should be silencing, right. not the men who are trying to champion life and protect protect right. you and provide. Uh, no man who is pro-life is also going to be knocking up girls and, or shouldn't be at least, knocking up girls and then abandoning them to do their yeah. own. This does happen with politicians because politicians are in it for the money. They're not really pro-life. They just talk the points in order to get the votes so. well they know it's what their base wants so yeah. they'll say for things. the most part i would say almost yeah. every republican is not truly pro-life when it comes down to to yeah. the actual fundamental philosophy so yeah something else they say is because of this roe versus wade decision because it was reversed now women are going to die that's i've heard people on the news say this Women are going to die because of this decision. Yeah, and usually, <laughs> usually the illustration they'll bring up is that girl who's afraid to have a baby and takes a hanger to herself in the bathroom, and she dies from it because she she uh, messed herself up, basically. Mm. And that's that's not really the case of Roturn, overturning Roe versus Wade, because what it really did was it pushed everything back to the states. Exactly. And so the the potential for getting abortions is still out there that's not saying that we want abortions to be legal either but it is still out there to where if they're that desperate they can go somewhere right and that <clears throat> that gets to something deeper but we'll, mm. we'll talk about that closer to the end here right um another thing they say is this decision well really is only going to affect poor minorities because wealthy white people can afford traveling to states where it's allowed and they can get legal or illegal care if they're gonna get on the black market and pay for it so it's only really poor people so you don't care about poor people mm-hmm. that's one of the arguments they make which i think there's a little bit of truth to that but and maybe not necessarily that we don't care not but, that we don't care the, but maybe I'm, I'm it's saying, an unforeseen consequence is it a potential consequence that yeah. poor people won't be able to afford but you're talking about an abortion right somebody just saying you know i'm, a, I'm 14 years 15 years old i don't want this baby I want it. I want it to disappear. I want it to go away. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, we, states are going to talk about different ways how to solve these problems, and we could talk about that maybe uh, podcast part two. I don't know, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. but ultimately, we don't believe that they should be getting the abortion in the first place. So that part, right. that's a just accusation as far as that part goes. But you're making an assumption that. Um, we don't care about minorities by saying don't don't get an abortion, when in reality most babies that are aborted are from the minority groups. So in a way, we are championing the lives of those minor- minority groups. Now mm-hmm. that that'll come into another thing that I added to the to Luke's notes here, where they will also say, well, you just want them to have babies. You only care about them while they're pregnant, and you don't want to do anything else to help them after the fact. And usually this argument comes because Republicans also tend to be fiscally conservative. You know, and so they'll say, well, you're not willing to put anything out there to help these women. And then Christians, Christians, you just don't care. You know, And so that's, that's the argument that is put out there. 
But honestly, that ignores the facts of how things have been going on for the past 50 years, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, since Roe versus Wade, Christians and Christian organizations were the ones who started what we call crisis pregnancy centers. These centers, for the most part, will provide free ultrasounds, free medical care, free, free everything that they need as far as relating to this pregnancy. And it's also Christian organizations that are funding these services to help people with adoption issues and things like that. So it's not that Christianity and Christians have turned their back and we don't, we don't want to help you after you have the baby. That's not actually the case. You know, right. So it's, it's an unjust <laughs> accusation. Um, yes. I got some data from 2019 that kind of gives some stats about crisis pregnancy centers. About 2 million people were served just in, I think, just that one year, 2019. 2 million people were served with the total value of $266 million being spent to help people who could not afford pregnancy care. You know, and then in 2019, there were 2,700 of these crisis pregnancy centers around the nation. And really, when it comes down to it, crisis pregnancy centers outnumber, from, by a perspective, from what I understand, three to one, they outnumber abortion clinics. So you can't turn around and say, oh, we don't care, especially when we've, we've put out three times as many of these organizations to help women in these scenarios. Right. But... <clears throat> Feelings, their feelings are more important than facts. And like I said, I, I think there's a large percentage of women that are pro-choice. They don't know these facts. They don't know these statistics. They hear the propaganda, and they believe it. Now, could your church be more caring for people who are pregnant outside of marriage and single mothers struggling on their own? Probably. I read, I read some articles, uh, Focus on the Family actually had some talking mm. about how a lot of times, girls who get pregnant outside of marriage, they realize they messed up. But a lot of times, the way churches interact with them is to shun them now. That the, as long as they're pregnant, you like the girl in the youth group who's pregnant, you can no longer come to youth group meetings because you're pregnant. Yes, she messed up, but it, did she repent? Did she say, yes, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm wrong, you know? If she's done that, why should we continue to shun her? We should be surrounding her and helping her and getting her through this and showing her the love of Christ. Yeah. And a lot of times <clears throat> churches maybe in those areas were responding in the wrong way, and we could do a better job. Yeah, especially in cases where the man disappears. You know, mm -hmm. Now we're talking about orphan. Yeah. So th this is the category that churches explicitly commanded to yes. care for. Yeah, what is it? James chapter 1, right? <laughs> I'll flip to it while you keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, see, and then, I mean, this, this dovetails into the next category. Uh, we want to force women to carry babies to term and deliver them. That's one of the arguments that's thrown out there is if we, if a young girl gets pregnant or anybody gets pregnant who doesn't want the baby, said, I, I never wanted to deliver a baby, said, you're forcing them to deliver the baby. And we have to say, yes, that, that is the case. That yeah, would be because the, we're forcing that's the result them not of the law. to commit murder. Right. <laughs> you know, that's but what I, we're forcing them to do. Just yeah. like we would force Bonnie and Clyde not to rob banks and kill people. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, same thing. But it, <laughs> so. it, it, is, a, it is a consequence mm -hmm. of the action, and we, we recognize that. But I think they, they believe some wrong things about it. There's a reason, well, that's terrible. Why would you force her? You know, she might die. Yeah. You know, the chance of her dying is so high. Well, they're really not that high. But no, I think, they're not. But I think they believe that. The young yeah. girls are scared by that. Yeah. 
And so the, the verse that I was looking up was James 1, verse 27. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Right. So pure religion, godly Christian Christianity is to visit, and it doesn't mean just stop by and say, hey, how are you how doing you do today? <laughs> no, this is to meet their needs, the, the fatherless and the widows. Right. Uh, those, those are two categories we are specifically commanded to take care of within the church. So when they're in our church, we need to surround them with love. And this, this is not, I, I, I could see where it, some of the concept is, we don't want them to think it's no big deal that they sinned. Obviously, you need to deal with the sin. You're not condoning their sin by helping them. But I think you are pushing them towards an abortion by not helping them. Now, obviously, they have to make their own choice. But, you know, we, we don't want to be the stumbling block that helps them get there a little bit quicker. Uh, so, what's so bad about a woman being forced to give birth to a baby. There's, like I said, sometimes they think it's because they're going to die, but also, they, this is the one they throw out there. Well, what about, they think this is their, uh, th- this is the golden argument. This is the one that is going to win their case. What about cases of rape? Mm-hmm. Clearly, you know, you know, this wasn't her bad choice. This was somebody else doing it to her, and you're going to force her to deliver this baby that's causing so much trauma to her body and to her mind and this is one of the arguments they used to say safe legal and rare meaning only in very extreme cases should we have abortion now i i don't i don't agree with this i don't even in the case or as horrible as it is mm, as, right. as horrifying it must be yeah. for a woman for this to happen to her i said think about this logically the horror the the physical the, not the physical but the mental trauma has already been done Killing the baby does not reverse that trauma. Mm-mm. It might let her start healing, you know, seven se- seven months sooner. Yeah, it, because the baby's gone, and now you can start trying to get past it. Okay, so you're gonna have to live with it a little bit longer. But you know that 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 is a compassion argument, not a logic, because you are still killing a baby. It, is not is the baby not a victim of the rape? Also, they didn't you know, ask to be born and then killed. Should we not have compassion for the baby? Should, you know, okay, I, my heart goes out for these women. It does, but and I that's feel, where other solutions come into play. There, but there are other yeah. solutions. But I, I think if your only reason is she shouldn't have to deal with that pain that long, I think for the sake of another human being, you know, we people suffer all the time to help other people. I don't think it's too much to ask for a woman to suffer a little bit so that this baby can be born. And then, uh, oh yeah. So you know, talk about all those misunderstandings, things I hear we hear people on the left say. I think even in the case, if you may say even for rape, I I don't agree. I think in all cases, unless it's a complication where the mother's going to die, we should say it's not legal for you to say I just don't want this baby for whatever reason for my because of my own trauma. It's still alive, and we should still allow it to live. Because if it's alive, if you have to kill it, it's alive. And so, uh, the law of the land—we've touched on it briefly, but you know, mis- misunderstandings about the law of the land, the power of abortion—you know, the right has not gone away. 
the the reversal of Roe versus Wade did not destroy abortion. Now your right's never, taken away. And it was never a right to begin with because no yes. one ever has the right to kill another person. <laughs> well, they're calling yeah. it a right because, <laughs> so. well, one of the ideas, concepts is that Roe versus Wade originally made it a right in America to get an abortion. So it being reversed, obviously you're taking the right away. So that's that's the way that's the way it's put out there. But Roe Most, versus Wade was just a judicial decision. Yes, it was. Never a law that was passed, was never an amendment that was passed. And yeah. the Constitution derives our rights from what they call even, inalienable rights given yeah. by God. So it could never be considered a right even under those considerations. I forget which one it was. Maybe Ruth Bader Ginsburg, mm. one of the very liberal Supreme Court justices, have said that it was bad law. Roe versus Wade was very bad law. Now, there's a thing called precedence in America. It's if, if a decision has been made in the past, you kind of go back and refer to that to help you in, in determining, because that's what judges are supposed to do. They're not supposed to write law. They are supposed to say, hey, this is how you interpret the law in this situation. Yeah. So uh, when it comes to what's the law of the land now, most people are saying, that's what the Supreme Court did. They said, this is bad law. It never really should have been made. We're going to send it back to the states. So abortion is still in the hands of states. Your right is not necessarily gone. So that's just a clearing up that misunderstanding. And like we said at the beginning, clearing up misunderstandings of oversimplified motives. Pro-lifers want women to die. Pro-choicers want babies to die. Well, there's, you know, no, that's way too simplified. We've got to have these conversations with people and understand each other's side. And then as as states are making these laws, we need to get together and make common sense laws that shows compassion and helps people that really need help, whether it's physically, financially, uh, you know, mental stress. We, we need to take all the things into consideration, but we also say we're not going to kill a baby if, unless it's absolutely necessary. Right. And I kind of wrote up this overall statement right here. We'll see if Luke, Luke agrees with it. But I, I said medical procedures to save the life of the mother are not the same thing as abortion. And when we say abortion should be illegal, we are, t- we are talking about the elective termination of a baby by its mother. And elective, I mean, they just chose to. Okay? Right. While our heart goes out to those who have been raped and are now pregnant, abortion is just adding to the problem and adds guilt to the mother. Yeah, I left that part out. I'm glad you yep. put that in there. <laughs> and so the Christian's response has been and should be to support these women in these situations and that child. Right. No, that's excellent point because I didn't say this earlier, but when the point about the woman's going to carry the trauma of this baby for nine months, shouldn't she be allowed to not be traumatized for nine months? That doesn't take into account the fact that many women carry the trauma of regret for killing their baby for the rest of their life. So without debating the whole thing again, <laughs> I hope you'll take this to heart in the way it was intended. This isn't this isn't meant to be, ha, oh, we're right, and we've destroyed you, and you just need to get right. It's more a matter of, let's have a conversation, arm you with some some facts, make you think a little bit more. And hey, we've always said, if you've got questions, ask us a question. You know, send it. Maybe, maybe we'll, we'll get a response this time from <laughs> yeah. somebody who's some, somebody angry about what we said. I don't yeah. know. <laughs>
And like we said, this is not an exhaustive debate or discussion. We're just trying to show what we think biblically is consistent and go from there and how a Christian should respond to the whole issue of Roe versus Wade. I don't think the political solution of overtoning Roe versus Wade is honestly going to be a permanent solution because they'll just pack the courts. They'll do all kinds of other things to get what they want mm-hmm. in, the lo- in the long run. The real change, the real solution is preaching Christ, seeing people get saved, right. changing hearts. You know. But we wanted to speak out. Yeah. So as always, grace and peace be with you, and hope you have a great week. Amen.